restoration, deliverance, freedom, wholeness, whatever it is, the power of God's present. So if it's present, why can't we feel it? It's not something. It's something that you tap into through believing. And how do you believe except for the, the word is taught and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So by his teaching, he knew the power is present, but the power has to be tapped into by believing. There's a dynamic duo that goes on, and that's called the anointing and faith combined. They're a dynamic duo. Verse 18, it says, Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. When they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and led him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, come on now, faith is something you can see. He saw their faith. He saw their faith. James said this, you can talk about your faith all you want. I will show you my faith by what I do. He said faith without a corresponding action is dead faith or faith that will not produce much. And so we, we talk about believing, but if our believing doesn't move us to action, it's not true Bible believing. Well, certainly I believe that. I, I believe that I should forgive, but I just can't right now. Well, then your faith in the forgiveness of God is dead faith because it's not producing what faith is designed to produce. Well, I believe that God wants to prosper me, but I really have trouble giving right now. Well, then your faith hasn't really moved you to action, right? I believe that God's called me into some level of ministry, but I really don't have time to pray and study the word. Then your faith without corresponding action is dead faith. Right? When you say you believe something, if it's not provoking us to action, then it's just dead faith. It's dormant. At best, it's dormant faith that's not actively working. It's coming out your mouth that I believe, but we're not really seeing the result of it. But when you start to not just say, I believe that, but you actually begin to declare what you say you believe. Well, I believe that by Jesus' stripes I was healed. I believe that he took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. Okay. But when you start to say, emphatically declare, he took my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses. Not I'm telling you I believe that. I am declaring that for my life. He took my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses. And so if I'm going to meditate on that word to have build faith in my heart, then I have to begin to not just say that I believe it, but declare he took my infirmities, he bore my sicknesses. And if he took them and bore them, then he's already bore what I'm, my body, the enemy's trying to get me to bear in my body, but why am I going to bear it in my body if he already bore it in his body? And so now I'm taking a stand against the enemy. And as I begin to declare that, that this is not mine, this belong, Jesus has already taken this. He's already paid the price. That by his stripes, I was healed. And if I was healed, then I am healed. I am healed. You say, well, I mean, I, I don't feel healed. Well, I don't know if you woke up this morning feeling saved but I bet you believe that you're saved. Or maybe you don't. 
right? But when we start understanding it, you say, well, I, I, you know, I can't do anything about it right now. Yes, you can start doing things. You can start making the declaration. The more that you declare and truly understand, not I declare it today and tomorrow, hmm, we declare. Our faith begins to be seen by him. Come on, we get into a little bit of quandary here when we want everybody else to see our faith. And really, if we're not careful, we, we don't really, we're afraid that people won't see our faith, and so we're living in fear that people will think we don't have faith. And when you're living in fear that people will think you don't have faith, you're probably struggling with your faith. So forget about everybody else. Forget about everybody else. The miracle happens when Jesus saw their faith. Come on. The woman with the issue of blood, her faith, not everybody in the crowd, her faith caused Jesus to stop and say, virtue went out of me. Blind Bartimaeus' faith caused Jesus, not the crowd around him that was doing all kinds of things, his faith caused Jesus to stop in his tracks and say, bring that man to me. See, there's a lot of people telling all those people, what are you doing? What are you doing in this crowd? Why don't you just be quiet? See, if they were worried about what people thought about their faith, they'd have never got there. And it looks different to us, you know. So we think, you know, I'm going to be like blind Bartimaeus and cry out and yell, you know, and so everybody can see my faith. Well, listen, if you want everybody to see your faith, and that's why you're yelling out, you probably don't have faith. There's a place where we locate him and we locate our faith. And when he sees our faith, dynamic things happen. In fact, the impossible becomes possible. When we build within our hearts faith to believe God that he can see. When we're willing to put off all the crowds that enter into our life, all the distractions, all the excuses, all the why we can't, which is really what the crowds were for the woman with the issue of blood, blind Bartimaeus. They were all reasons why they should be quiet and why they shouldn't go out. But they said, I'm ignoring all the reasons why I shouldn't because my healing is right there. And I desire my healing more than I desire what people are going to think. He saw their faith. All right. I'm going to have to make some traction here. And he said to uh, him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? You might highlight those two things. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? And who can forgive sin but God alone? Who is this? We'll come back to that. Verse 22, it says, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts... He answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. 
And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. Praise the Lord. Aren't you going to think it's fun when we see some strange things today? Praise the Lord. Now, I just want to get to a couple of things here. It says, uh, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. Something very important about what he says right here that really applies to us. He did not say, he did not say, I just want you to know that the Son of God has power to forgive sin. He said, so that you know the Son of Man has power to forgive sin. He's communicating a message to us about the power of forgiveness, that you have the power to forgive. See, Jesus was the Son of God, and he was the Son of Man. It's, it's very important to understand in our covenant redemption, because if he's not the Son of God and the Son of Man, we don't have a valid covenant. But because he shed this, the blood of the Son of God and the blood of the Son of Man, those two parties were mingled in blood, and it's a valid covenant. And so when we say, you know, by the anointing, he did everything that he did as a man anointed by God, right here he's saying, I want you to know that as a man... I am reaching out and forgiving this man. Doors are open for all kinds of healing and miracle working power when we choose to forgive. We choose to forgive. When the disciples got born again, Jesus, well, many theologians believe this is when they got born again. Jesus was with them and says he breathed on them, said receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the life of God. And he said right after this, he said, after you receive this life of God as human beings, he made this, this funny statement. He said, now, whoever sins you forgive, they'll be forgiven. Right? He's just talking to him. He's, he's right before he leaves, he's talking to him. And he breathes on him and says, receive the Spirit of God. Receive the life of the Spirit. Now that you've received the life of the Spirit, you're not ordinary men bound under sin, but now that you've been born of the Spirit of God, now that you've received the Spirit of God, whoever sins you forgive, they will be forgiven. And whoever sins you retain, they will be retained. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. When we're talking about healing, it's a really big deal. Turn over to Mark, the sixth chapter. Mark, the sixth chapter. Starting in the first verse, this just follows Mark chapter 5. If you read Mark chapter 5, which we have, you got, the, you got Jairus' daughter, you got the woman with the issue of blood. I mean, he's just, he's walking and he's healing and he's doing all kinds of things. And then it says, then, after all these healings, then he went out from there and came to his own hometown. How nice. I've been out doing something for everybody else. He said, why don't I just go home and do something for my family and my people? So he went to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom 
is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon? Are not these his sisters right here with us? In other words, they were saying, who is this? carpenter's son who is this guy who's telling us these astonishing things and it says this so they were offended at him you might highlight that they were offended at him but jesus said to him a prophet is without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and in his own house now listen, verse 5. Now, he could do no mighty work there except that he lay his hands on a few sick people. Translations say people with minor ailments. What it actually says is he could do no miracles there save a few people with minor ailments. He laid his hands on them and they were healed. And he marveled because of their unbelief now let's make a connection let's just make this connection jesus how many of you believe if jesus was there the power was present to heal them right so jesus is in his own hometown he's been going around healing people and and he shows up and he's like in the synagogue he's teaching he's looking to build their faith and they decided to look at him and say who is this guy Sure, the words are great, the teaching is great, but where did he get this stuff? We saw him grow up. He's just a carpenter. He played soccer with our sons. His sisters are still here. Where did he come up with this stuff? And they got offended. And Jesus couldn't do anything in the midst of their offense. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't do any miracle in the midst of their offense. And here's how he related this and tied this together. He didn't marvel at their offense. He marveled at their unbelief. When you allow offense into your life, you allow unbelief to start to take over your life. Come on. We think offense, you know what? It's just something that goes on. We make excuses. We say, I'm not offended. But we are, because the devil has a strategy to make it something that you can put off, that you can shade in a way that doesn't look like that. But when it's offense, it affects your believing God, and it's a stumbling block to you. Now listen to this. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm going to have to use these glasses because this print is so small. This comes from Kenneth Weiss' word study. And this is, what he's, this is the word that is used here about the townspeople, the, the people that in Nazareth that Jesus went home to minister to. It's a Greek word called skandalizo. And this is what it means. It means to put a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip or fall. Listen, it means to put something there upon which someone else, another, may trip or fall. To cause a person to begin to distrust one whom he ought to trust and obey. In a passive, fence, uh, a passive sense, it means to find occasion 
of stumbling in a person, to be offended in a person, to see another, to see in another what one disapproves of and what hinders one from acknowledging his authority. He said, listen, where does offense come from? Offense comes from, it actually offenses something that you actually come up with. Well, they offended me. No, you were offended. In fact, according to this word, you had to look for something in them that you could find wrong so you didn't have to yield to any authority that they might have in your life. It's deadly. That's why Jesus said, he, he, he said, I'm, mar I'm marveled. I grew up here. You know how I live my life. How is it that you have found a way to not believe me and who I am and cut off your own blessing? How is it that you personally found a way to have a problem with me? Oh, I'm not offended. It's just that, you know, Terry. I'm not offended. I'm just looking for something. And then what offense does and what they were saying, she says, wow, look at the power. Now, listen to him. Yeah, but don't you know he grew up with our kids? Yeah, but listen to the authority. Yeah, but where do you think he got that? He's not educated. He's a carpenter. Now, listen, your offense is giving someone else a reason to trip over So they question the authority that God's put in your life, and it limits what God can do. The power of God was present to heal them. But what did the Pharisees say? Who's this? Who is this who thinks he can forgive sin? Who is this that speaks these blasphemies? They found a way to be offended and not receive the power. Because without yielding to the authority that Jesus had, you could never receive the power that was present. Without believing that he had something from God to give, you can't receive what's there to be given. There's people today who are struggling, and the thing about offense is it's something that you trip over. It's something that ensnares you. It's something that catches you that in the moment you don't realize the working of it. But in the end time, when you need something from God, he's not able to work in that because of the offense that you've laid hold of and won't let go of. It's important for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to understand because if there's going to be a healing revival, an awakening where healing power and delivering power and the power of God to break yokes of bondage is going to be present, you cannot have offense present. Listen, I'm going to go see if anything's happening at church while all the while you're offended and you're wondering, well, nothing's going on here, but you found a reason to find nothing going on. All right, we better move on. Come on. 
All right, let's just go with that flow. I will, God. All right, praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Y'all doing all right? How many of you want to see the healing power of God flow? I'm just telling you. Whoo! Signs, wonders, and miracles. But not for the flash of it. For the person who's ailing that doesn't know Jesus. To receive the power of God and see the goodness of God. That truly there would be a healing flow that is the dinner bell to salvation. That the goodness of God is seen in that flow. But we're going to have to throw off stuff that we've said, you know what, maybe it can't happen here because it's so and so and so and so. And really, I'm just telling you, I don't know about that Jonathan guy. I mean, he grew up in town here. We saw him when he was a little kid and he's standing up there telling us we need to worship. I mean, who does he think he is? Work in that department? Under that leader? you got to be kidding me. I'm more educated than they are. Why would I serve under them? Why not? <laughs> well, because you know. No, I don't. Well, you know, I mean, I've been longer. I've been, I know them. I know they make mistakes. You're just finding a reason to shut off the flow of power. Come on, church. Help me out. You can say, oh my, or you can say, oh me, or you can say, amen. Come on, listen, there's marriages that need to be healed, but they're not simply because you're offended with your spouse. You've stored that up through familiarity. Your spouse tries to say, you know what? Let's just go to counseling. Let's just serve God. Let's just go to church. Well, now, who do you think you are to now suggest after what you've done that we become spiritual? <laughs> you just shut off the power of God to heal your marriage. After what you've done in our life, you're just looking for something so that you don't have to experience the power of God. After all, when you said it's not going to work out, God might infiltrate and make it work out. And God would be right and you would be wrong. What a tragedy that might be. There's people that God wants to break you through in your job, but you're offended with a, work per a person you work with or your boss. Because they didn't treat you right. They didn't say the right thing. They didn't say thank you. But God puts you there to promote you and teach you something, to give you influence. And the power of influence is being cut off simply because you found a reason to not yield to the authority that God put in your life to have a breakthrough in miracle working power. I'm certainly not talking to you. I'm just equipping you to minister to others. It's my job. So, so you don't have to be so quiet. You don't, you don't have to think, well, is he talking about me? Certainly not. <laughs> certainly not. Not any of you watching, just equipping you when you come on this 
to help others. Praise the Lord. So it says in verse 6, he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Really, some translations say he left his hometown and taught in all of the villages surrounding his town. He says, if you don't want it, I'll go talk to somebody who does. So Jesus would never do that. Listen, if we render him helpless, he'll go find somewhere to release his power. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm out of time. Got to find somewhere to hook this all together. Praise the Lord. Oh, Hebrews chapter 12. I know where I was going. Hebrews chapter 12. Come on, listen. After this, you'll go home and you'll run and you'll shout. You'll praise God. It's going to be awesome. We'll just start at verse 11. <laughs> now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, everybody say afterward. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Come on. God's working in us. You may say, mm, what's going on right now? But he's working to produce fruit of righteousness. It says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. Come on, listen, church. We've gotten to the point where, you know what? It's just hard to get those hands up. I got stuff here. I've got things going on. There's people here. There's Now he says, come on now. Get the hands up. Get the hands up. Strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Why are you going to have to strengthen the feeble knees? Because it's, it's getting time to run. Come on, it's coming time to run. He said, make straight the paths for your feet so what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. He said, quit, quit walking, make, make straight, quit having stumbling blocks in the middle of your life, quit having the offense and the people, but strengthen the feeble knees and make straight the path so you're not stumbling over everything that's there so you don't have dislocation, but you can walk in a path where there's room for healing. How many of you know that offense dislocates you? Offense dislocates you. Whew, okay. Thank you, Jesus. I got to finish up. Pursue peace with all people. Everybody say all people. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. In falling short of the grace of God, any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Be careful, lest the fence turn to bitterness and it begins to spread. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau 
who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Come on. For one tidbit of gossip. For one tidbit of why somebody has something against somebody else. Don't sell your birthright. Don't get out and engage with things of the world and sell your birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought diligently for it with tears. Don't let the devil take you down that road. Just don't let the devil take you down that road. We are people of faith. We're mountain-moving people. Nothing is impossible for us. God wants to use us as a people, as vessels of gold, meat or ready to be used of the master. And again, some people don't like that word now, being used of the master. Personally, whenever I, I thought, oh, man, I get to be used of God, I thought that was exciting. But now people relate that to being used and abused. So just think of it this way. You're a vessel, a platter, a pitcher that God presents himself on. Pure, holy, without blemish. That God could present himself to other people without the defilement of offense and bitterness, but with true purity and holiness and power. That we can declare and move mountains by faith. See, people healed by faith in God. We love that. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said, while you're moving mountains, while you're praying and believing that you receive the very thing that you asked for, while you're saying to this mountain, be thou removed out of my life and be thou cast into the sea, consider this while you're praying. You can read it. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm being accurate. Consider this while you're praying. See, we separate those verses. While I'm praying, I'm believing that I receive. And while I'm declaring, that mountain has to be removed. But Jesus is putting it all in one context. While you're telling that mountain to move, and you're thinking it's not moving, and while you're praying and saying, I believe that I receive, he says, stop for a moment and consider. Do you have anything? Somebody say anything. anything. Do you have anything against anyone. Somebody say anyone. Not something against someone, anything against anyone. Why did he say that? He said, but if, because if you're carrying around something against someone, then you're also carrying the very obstacle that will keep me from forgiving you. He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Rise up, take up your bread, and walk. He connected your forgiveness with your healing. And we have people suffering, and they're like, you know what? I'm suffering. I don't understand why God's not healing me. But you know that church back there. You know that pastor back there. You know that person. You know that employee. You know that. I don't understand why I'm not getting healed. 
But these people, come on, I'm just trying to help us. My heart yearns for the power of God. Unless you think I'm just telling you this, I've dealt with this, I've dealt with this with the Lord. I purpose, and it's, it's not easy. It's really not easy. It's easier to say, I'm not offended, God, I forgive them, and not. I know you, you guys don't know this, you don't think this, but as a pastor, I do have opportunity every now and then to be offended. I shouldn't, because I'm the pastor. We don't do that. Because you guys are good. You, there's no reason we could ever be offended with you. Just you offended with us. So there is that opportunity. There's a place to go, no, no, no. But if you're honestly going to deal with God, he's going to point that out. And when you get serious about it, you know exactly when you picked up something. I mean, I've got to the point, at this point, now when I say it, the devil's going to say, oh, I was I've gotten to the point that I, I know in my own life, it's like, what is going on? God, what's going on? He says, For back there, remember, you picked that up. I'm like, no, I didn't pick, no, you picked it up. He's real honest with me. I didn't, I didn't pick that up. Yes, you did. Remember yesterday when you started thinking about that while you were driving? Well, that wasn't picking it up. Oh, yeah, it was. He's like, I'm not going to let you have anything against anyone. I've given him that place in my life because I called him Lord. So if he says, I'm not going to let you have anything against anyone, I'm like, all right, here we go. You're in for a ride. And the last time that I went through that place of holding something against someone, I'm, just, I'm like, I forgave them, I forgave them. And he started to dig deep. He started to dig deep. He started to reveal my self-talk when I walked away from a situation. And I was like, whoo, whoo, ow, oh, <laughs> no, no, not. What am I going to do? What am I going to say when I'm frustrated? How am I going to release this? He said, come unto me. He said, don't have anything against anybody. So I'm not telling you to do something that really that I think, oh, this is easy. No, it's not. It takes letting God dig down deep. But it's liberating. You always have to keep an eye out, but it's the place that, like, I'm good. Seriously, I'm not making an excuse. I'm good. I don't have anything against anybody. If I pick something up today, if you say something about me today and I pick it up, by Wednesday, God will say, if you don't let this down, you're going to have a bad week. A bad week will turn into a, a bad two weeks, into a bad month. And how much do you want to waste time with something of such insignificance when I have something of great significance for you to do? I tell Bible school this, and you've probably heard it before, but I believe based on this scripture, and I know you'll go, ah, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just because I have something against somebody doesn't mean that I'm not getting into heaven. I don't know. Is your entrance into heaven predicated on the forgiveness of your sin? Well, may, Jesus already forgave me. 
Well, do you remember the parable of the man who forgave the man a little debt? He forgave him already. He, or a big debt, excuse me, a huge debt. And the man he already forgave went and took somebody who owed a little bit, grabbed him around the neck and said, you'll pay me every penny. And somebody went and said, you know that guy you forgave? He won't even forgive this guy this little bit. And it said he went back and had him thrown into everlasting darkness. So I'm not making doctrine of this. <laughs> I'm just saying, think about it. Nothing. I don't care what the devil's telling you. I don't care the pain that you feel. Nothing. Understand this. No matter what you feel like somebody did that caused hell in your life, it isn't hell. It isn't hell. And there's nothing anybody's ever done to you that's worth going to hell over. You say, well, that won't happen, Pastor. Listen, if you live in unforgiveness and offense, don't guarantee yourself. Because he said, if you don't forgive, I cannot forgive you. They were offended, and he could not, not would not, he could not do any mighty work there. Why limit the power of God? Why limit the joy of our salvation? Why limit the relationship and the clarity of relationship that we have with God because of what somebody has done? By, because somebody that, that did something to you might be rising up and doing something great and say, who are they to do something great after what they've done to me? Don't let that stuff in. Because not only do you want a clear and open road for the power of God to heal your body, but you want a clear and open flow for the power of God to be released from you to bring healing to someone else. Why would we limit the flow of God's power to somebody who's hurting? Because we've been hurt by someone. God wants to be a free flow to help people. And he says, the devil's going to bring people to hurt you, but you have a power and a grace to forgive and overcome that. So you don't hurt people, you help people. Can we do that, church? Father, we thank you. We praise you. Ooh, we magnify you, God. I believe we've done what you've asked us to do tonight. So in that, I thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're present right now to deal with every heart and every life, to help us as a people make sure that we don't hinder the flow of your power, that we as a people lay down those weights that are besetting us, the heaviness of what somebody else has done or said, somebody who's moved ahead of us in life, in our opinion. So we've allowed ourselves to come up with a reason be offended. I declare and release anointing right now to break that strategy of the enemy for every single person who's willing to let go right now in the name 
of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That every offense, every reason to have something against someone is put away. Broken by the power of the blood of Jesus, the ultimate release of forgiveness, course of humanity and eternity, the cleansing, forgiving blood of the Lamb. That it flows to us, but it flows through us. And just as the blood was shed to bring healing to us, so is the blood to bring forgiveness to us. But so, that healing flow is to flow through us to others. Even so, that forgiving flow is to flow through us to others. So give us wisdom. You said if we'd ask for wisdom, you'd give it liberally and upright. If not, if we'd ask in faith, and so we ask for wisdom, Holy Spirit, that you'd keep a check on our hearts and our minds. We'd give no place and no excuse, no reason to allow anything against anyone to enter our life. That when it does, we give you permission to show us, to tell us. That we'll yield to you to get it out of our life as quickly as possible. That we will be vessels ready to bring your power and your presence to those who don't know you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.